Hello, living room. What's up? How are you guys? Okay, we can try that again. How are you guys? All right, that was a little bit better. Well, hey, my name is Beth, like Mitch said, and I am actually on staff here at the living room. So it is my job just to hang out with you guys, which is like the best job ever. So fun. I love it. I love that I get to do that. I'm new on staff here, and so this is my first time um, speaking to you guys, which I am pumped about. It has already been an incredible night, and I hope that it continues to be one. And we are launching into part two of a series called Alcatraz. And last week, Samer kicked us off in this series and really just set it up so well um, and just telling us really kind of the backstory of Alcatraz, which is a prison that is really not used anymore, but it is isolated on an island, and it is really the prison that you did not want to go to. It was a prison that was deemed inescapable, but as we learned last week that even this prison that was deemed inescapable, but there actually is history of some people who did escape, and so really we are talking about things in our life that we have deemed inescapable and that, that maybe there actually is escape from those things, just like Alcatraz, maybe there actually is a way for us um, to break free. And so tonight we are going to be talking about something that I believe that all of us have either dealt with at one time, are currently dealing with, or are going to at some point in our life. Uh, But before we dive in, I felt like I should introduce myself. You guys should get to know me a little bit better since I am new and I don't know a lot of you guys. And so typically this would be around the time when whoever is standing up here tells you how awesome their spouse is and how cute their children are, Um, but I don't have either of those, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to tell you guys how awesome my roommates are, because my roommates are incredible. So I live with two girls, Allison and Courtney, and they are phenomenal. And I'm just telling you, if you ever have the opportunity to live with your best friends, you should do it. Like, it is the most fun thing ever. And we live in Midtown, so we take advantage um, of all there is to do in Atlanta, We live right next to Piedmont Park. We love it. We live um, close to the Beltline, so we'll go hang out there. You can catch us doing brunch on Saturday morning. Like, we love living in the city. And I have lived in Atlanta now for um, almost five years at this point. So it's home for me now, but I actually grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I grew up with my mom and my dad and my older brother. And growing up, I adored my older brother. Like, I thought that he was the coolest person in the entire world. Um, So I wanted to do everything that he did. So he learned to skateboard, so I learned to skateboard. Uh, He played basketball, so I learned to play basketball. He likes football, so I tried to like football. Uh, I mean, if he was hanging out with his friends, I wanted to be there. If he was having a sleepover, I wanted to be a part of it. Like, it was too the point where like, y'all, I wore his clothes. Like I would ask for his hand-me-downs and I would wear them. And like, he was two and a half years older than me. So this is like elementary school. So I would wear his shorts, which really were like really baggy capris on me. Like they would come down to here. And I remember one time I decided to go climb a tree wearing his shorts. Didn't work out well. Like lost the shorts halfway up because they were like so big and so baggy on me. I wanted to do everything that he did. There was a point in our childhood where I got a bowl cut, um, which was not a good life decision. It had nothing to do with my brother. I just wanted one in general, which I don't know why. I just did. So I did. But me and my brother already looked similar. And with my bowl cut, everyone asked if we were identical twins. And I was like, yes! Like, I thought it was the best thing ever that people legitimately thought we were twins. He hated it. Like, he hated that I wanted to be just like him. I would follow him around the house and be like, Daniel, do you love me? And he'd be like, no! And I would just, like, melt into a puddle of tears. So he hated it. He hated it 
hated that I wanted to be like him, but I thought so highly of my brother, and I thought that if my brother thought that I was cool, if my brother thought that I was fun, if my brother wanted to hang out with me, then maybe I actually was fun. Maybe I actually was cool, and maybe other people would want to hang out with me as well. And so I really thought of my brother's approval as the highest level of approval that there was, and I so desperately just wanted him to like me, and I wanted him to want to be friends with me, and I wanted him to want to hang out with me. And I tell you that for a couple reasons. One, I feel like it gives you a lot of insight as to who I am, and maybe you can imagine, like, six-year-old Beth rocking her bowl cut and her brother's, like, baggy jeans, like, that's just who I was, and it was great. But also because I think that there's something in that that all of us can relate to, that there's probably been something similar in your life, and maybe it's not your brother, but isn't it just true that we all want approval? Like, we all want to know that we're doing okay. Like, we all want to know that our reputation is in check. Like, we all ultimately want to know that people like us. Like, you don't walk into a room and hope that the whole room hates you. Like, no one has ever done that. Like, you want to walk in and you want to know that people like you. And I don't necessarily think that this desire of wanting approval is bad because really this plays out for us in a lot of different places in our life. Like for you guys right now, I mean, in college, like you probably want the approval of your professors. And so you show up to class and and you study and you do your work and you turn stuff in on time or maybe you want to be in good standing with your parents. And so you make decisions that you feel like honor them and, and you try to be respectful of them or you want your friends to like you and so you don't do things to intentionally hurt them or, or you want the approval of your boyfriend or your girlfriend and so you stay faithful in the relationship. And none of those things are bad. Honestly, we should do all of those things. Like, you should go to class, which some of you are like, should I? Yes, you should. You should go to class. And like, you should treat your friends how you want to be treated. And you should be respectful of your parents. And you should stay faithful in your relationships. And so none of those things are bad. But the problem comes in for us is when every decision that we make and everything that we do and everything that fuels us is now driven by the approval of other people. That we can't seem to make a decision, that we can't seem to move forward, that we can't seem to do anything without the approval of the people around us. And I think that a lot of times this isn't even something that we know that we're doing. Like, it's not always something that we recognize. Sometimes it just sneaks up on us, and sometimes it just catches us off guard. And so tonight we're going to look at this scripture in Proverbs, and it's just a really short verse that really begins to speak into this idea. And it says this, it says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. And so the fear of man, that's the agonizing, the worrying, the thinking about, the desiring, the approval of the people around you will prove to be a snare. And a snare is, it's a trap. Like it's something that captures you. It paralyzes you. It slows you down. It keeps you from being able to do the things that you want to do. And so this this idea of the approval of man, the desiring approval of man is going to be a trap in your life. It's going to be something that slows you down. It's going to be something that keeps you from doing ultimately what you want to do. And that might sound really extreme, but I actually think that you guys already know that this is true. Because you are living in a stage of life and in a culture where approval is coming at you from all sides. 
And you live in a culture of social media where you are constantly looking at everybody else's highlight reel. And you know that it's their highlight reel, but it still begins to do something inside of you. And as you're scrolling through Instagram, you probably come across pictures like this. And you think, really? (laughs) And if you are a guy, you look at this and you're like, I'm sorry, like, is this what I have to do to get a woman? Like, I have to take her to Indonesia? Like, I can take you to the McDonald's drive-thru. I've got $2 in my bank account. Like, this is not (laughs) real. And ladies, like, you look at this and you think, like, when is a man like this going to come along? Like, what? Like, who is going to take me to Indonesia and stand behind me and take pictures like this? Like, come on. Like, I'm a catch. I'm cute. I'm fun. Like, what do I have to do to get that? And we see things like this and we're like, honestly, this is my reality. But then sometimes we're like, but at least she has a dog. Like, I don't even have that. Like, I've just got my tissues and my tears. Like, that's all I'm working with. And you guys laugh, but I think that you laugh because there's something in that that actually resonates with you. Like, there's something in that where you have seen something that has made you think that way. And maybe it's not the relationships on Instagram. Maybe it's the fact that you have seen that somebody has landed a job or an internship that you can't seem to land. Or maybe you are seeing pictures of people who are hanging out and you're realizing that you didn't get invited to any of the hangouts and you're wondering what in the world you have to do to be the one that gets invited to stuff. Or you see other people and their pictures are getting likes and they're getting comments that you seem to never get and you're wondering what you have to do for people to respond to you that way. And what begins to happen is that every like and every comment begins to be a little blip of approval that maybe if your life looks good on a screen and that maybe if people are approving you there, it can begin to fill something in your own life that needs approval. And it begins this vicious cycle of where you can't seem to enjoy moments, you just have to capture them. Because you want people to see your life on a screen, you want it to measure it up to what you believe is true of everyone else's life. And maybe for you, it's not social media. Maybe it's your major and what you want to do with your life. And now I know this student who went to school as an engineering major, and he did it because that's what his dad majored in, and he really felt like that was what was expected of him to do. And one semester in, he quickly realized that engineering was not for him. And he was like, my brain doesn't think that way. Like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not good at it. Like, it's hard, and I don't enjoy it. And so after one semester, he decided to go undeclared, and he went undeclared with his major, but then he never told his dad, because he was absolutely terrified of what his dad would think, and he was terrified that his dad would disapprove of the decision that he had made. But what ended up happening was that it stifled him from ever doing anything that he wanted to do, because he was caught in this trap of feeling like he wanted to follow his dreams, and he wanted to follow his passions, and he wanted to follow what he loved to do, but he couldn't do that because he couldn't get up the courage to tell his dad that he didn't want to do what he felt like his dad had expected him to do his whole life. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe for you, it has been impossible to make any decision in your life without getting tons and tons of advice. And I think getting really wise advice is good. I think you guys should seek advice, but you are not able to make any decision because you are terrified that maybe mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, boyfriend, girlfriend are going to disapprove of the decision that you make. And you're beginning to figure out that you can't actually please everyone. 
And that is terrifying to you. And it cripples you and it traps you because you just can't seem to do anything. You can't seem to move forward. You can't figure out what you want to do because everybody else seems to have an opinion and you can't figure out which direction to take. And honestly, let's just get real for a minute. Maybe the guys in the room, maybe for you, you have completely abandoned your boundaries. Or more than that, maybe you have taken advantage of a girl out of the approval of your friends. And maybe it didn't feel good in the moment, but you participated in jokes and the objectifying of women because you wanted a place with your friends. And you chose the approval of your friends over the respect of women. And now you are caught in a trap of so desperately not wanting to be rejected by your friends, but also so desperately wanting to get rid of the label that you feel like has been placed on your life. And ladies, maybe the same is true for you. Maybe you have abandoned your boundaries and maybe you allowed things to go farther than you were comfortable with because you convinced yourself that if you said no and that you put up boundaries, he would leave. And so your desire to be accepted and your desire to be wanted outweighed the boundaries that you had placed in your life. And now you are caught in this trap of feeling like that because you've done it once or you've done it twice, it is expected of you every single time and you don't know what to do. And you also so desperately don't want to be rejected, but you so desperately want to get rid of the label that has been placed over your life. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you're looking for approval. I don't know where that's an issue for you. But what I do know is that when the approval of others begins to fuel everything that you do, it is going to affect every area of your life. It's going to affect how you dress. It's going to affect how you talk. It's going to affect what you post on social media. It is going to affect how you treat others. And it is going to affect how you treat yourself. And ultimately, it is going to be a trap. And the thing with traps is that they lure us in, that there is something appealing about them that that makes us fall into the trap. And so with approval, what it does is it begins to fill this need, fill this need in us that tells us that we are not enough. And that if we can begin to get approval from others and if we can begin to find it from other places, then maybe we will begin to feel like we're enough And it feels good in the moment. It feels something in the moment. But what happens the next time you have to make a hard decision? Or what happens the next time you have to have a hard conversation? Or what happens the next time that somebody asks you to do something that you don't want to do? You're going to go seeking for approval all over again because the approval that you had yesterday doesn't work for today and the approval that you get today doesn't work for tomorrow. It is temporary and you're going to go seeking it out again and you're going to go looking for it again and it's going to create this vicious cycle in you that makes you feel like you're not enough and you've got to go find other people to tell you that you're enough and once you get it once, you're going to need it again and it's just over and over and over and over and over. But what if we didn't have to live that way? What if we didn't have to live in fear of man? And what if we didn't have to live trapped by the approval of people around us? And what if the approval that we are so desperately looking for already exists for all of us? And so in this verse in Proverbs, it tells us that that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But the verse didn't end there. It actually continues and says this. 
The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And that but changes everything for us. That but is what gives us hope because it says, yes, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. And that is true, but you don't have to fall into that. That doesn't have to be what's true of you, that there can actually be something else and that the solution is to trust in the Lord. And this word trust means to hold at the highest regard. And so ultimately what it's saying is, hey, there may be other voices speaking into your life and there may be things that people have said about you and there may be things that are hard for you to deal with, but hey, maybe there's another voice that can speak louder than all the others. Then maybe there's a voice that can cover all of the other voices that are speaking into your life. And what if that voice was the voice of the Lord? What if your trust was placed in the Lord? And it says, and if you would do that, that you would be kept safe. And the Hebrew meaning of kept safe is this. It means to be inaccessibly high or beyond man's reach. And isn't that what we all want? Like, don't we want to be beyond the reach of man? Like, don't we want to be people who are not worried about what people think about us? That we're not worried about the approval of others? That we are beyond man's reach? And so it tells us in Proverbs that that's possible, and it's possible by choosing to trust in the Lord. But what does that look like? What does it look like for us to actually put our trust in the Lord? And I think Paul in Galatians gives us an answer to that question, and we're going to look at that. But before that, I just want to set up the backstory for you. And so at the time the scripture in Galatians was written, there were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile Christians. And now the Jewish Christians were Jesus followers, but they still held on to their customs and traditions of the Jewish culture, which for them, a lot of that was their dietary restrictions and the way that they ate. And then there was the Gentile Christians, and they were just simply Jesus followers. And the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along at all. And so much of that had to do with the way that the Jews followed their cultural traditions. And really, the Jews looked down on the Gentiles because they wanted the Gentiles to follow their traditions as well. And so they didn't get along, and they never really interacted. But there was this guy, Peter, and Peter was a Jewish Christian, but he hung out with the Gentiles, and he would eat meals with them, which was a really big deal. But then some other Jews moved into the town, and Peter started to get really self-conscious about what he was doing and who he was hanging out with. And, And the approval of the Jews in the town began to take over what he had originally been doing with the Gentiles. So then this guy, Paul, shows up, and he um, essentially is getting ready to call Peter out for what he's doing. And so that's where we jump into the story, and this is what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I have been crucified with Christ. Now, if you're anything like me, like, that's a really weird, like, phrase to say. And I think that Peter probably felt really similar about that. But really what Paul is saying is that he is really beginning to explain what Jesus did on the cross. And so when Jesus went to the cross and he died for us, he not only said, hey, I'm making right everything that you've done wrong and everything that you're going to do wrong, and I'm reconciling a relationship between God and his people. What he also said is, hey, I am eliminating the need for you to do anything to gain God's approval. I'm eliminating the need for you to do anything to gain God's approval. And so when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, he is making Jesus' death on the cross incredibly personal. And he's saying, hey, when Jesus died, I died with him, which means that my need to do anything to gain God's approval is eliminated. It no longer exists. I don't have to do it. 
And then he continues and he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so this Christ lives in me, really what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, I have taken my life and I have moved it out of the way. And I am saying that my life is no longer about me, that I'm not living my life for the fame or the glory or for the approval of the people around me, that my life is not about me, that my life, I've moved it out of the way so that my life can be a reflection of Jesus and of who Jesus is. And then he continues on in this verse and he says this, he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he says, I live by faith. And this word faith defined is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, I'm going to live with complete trust and confidence that Jesus loved me and he gave himself for me. Say, I'm going to live with complete trust and confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and that we are who he says he are. And what he said is that we are loved, that he loved us before we did anything. He loved us before you ever won anything. He loved you before you ever chose a degree. He loved you before any decision that you've ever made. He loved you before you did anything. And he loved you so much that he decided to give himself for you. And when he says, hey, I gave myself for you, ultimately what Jesus declared on the cross is, hey, I see you worth dying for. That you, I loved you before you did anything. I loved you before you didn't do something. I loved you before you said anything. I loved you before you didn't say something. I loved you enough to give myself for you, which means, hey, I see you worthy of dying for. And so if you're wondering what it looks like to put your trust in the Lord, it looks like beginning to find freedom in the fact that your approval is found in what Christ says is true. That your approval is found in what Christ says is true about you. And what Christ says is true is that you are loved and that you are loved to the point that you are worth dying for. And he's saying, hey, I have stamped you approved This approval that you're looking for in everyone else, this approval that you're seeking so hard to find, hey, I paid for that on the cross by sending Jesus to die for you. Hey, I have already determined that it is paid for. It is taken care of. There's nothing that you need to do to earn it. You cannot get rid of it. You already have full access to it. All you have to do is accept it. And I am telling you that you are loved and that you are loved to the point that you are worth dying for. And that is your approval that it's already been said about you, that it has already been established to be true of you, that your approval is found in what Christ says is true. Now, for some of you, you're like, great, Beth, I'm really glad that you just gave me the church answer of like, hey, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And if you would just believe that, you wouldn't care about what people think. And you're like, I've done that and I've tried that and it doesn't work. And I hear you and I agree with you that it's not that easy that this isn't just a switch in your brain, that if you just hear this, you're like, oh my gosh, wow, life just got so much easier. I don't care what people think anymore. No, this is a day in, day out decision where you're gonna have to choose to remind yourself of what Christ says is true about you and you're gonna have to wake up every day and you're gonna have to remind yourself that your approval is not found in the people around you. It is not found in the decisions you make. It is not found in the things that you do with your life, but your approval is found in what Christ says is true about you and what he says about you is that you are loved and that you are worth dying for. 
And I think what would begin to happen is if we began to do this, if we began to remind ourselves every day of what Christ says is true, I think it would begin to make facing rejection a whole lot more easy, or at least would make it possible. I think it would, getting, feeling like we're left out, I think it would be possible to deal with that. I think making harder decisions, we would be able to make those decisions better. I think it would begin to change everything that we do in our life. And I believe that to be true because I know it for myself and I have experienced it myself. And so for me, for pretty much my whole life, for all of high school and college, I lived in crippling fear of the approval of people around me. And pretty much every single decision I made was because I wanted the people around me to approve of me, and I wanted them to approve of who I was and what I was doing. And so it affected the clothes that I wear. It affected the things that I did. But then on top of that, I so desperately wanted to be approved of people around me that it actually kept me from doing a lot of things. That I didn't really take risks. I didn't try things that I thought maybe I would want to try. And I remember I wanted to try out for school musicals, and I didn't because I thought, what if I'm not good and I get rejected and people are going to know that I wasn't good at it? And, and I wanted to do art, but my brother was an artist, and I saw how good my brother was at it. And I thought, well, I'm never going to do that because I'm never going to measure up to what he is. And so I slowly just started making decisions based on what I felt like everybody else thought about me. And I really ultimately began to walk into every room already determined that everybody in the room already had determined that I was not enough, that I wasn't fun enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I wasn't likable enough, that I wasn't talented enough. And I spent my entire life trying to prove them wrong, to measure up to what I felt like they wanted of me, but not do too much to where I could possibly fail and be rejected. And then when I was 22, somebody sat down with me and she said, hey, Beth, what do you enjoy? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had been trapped my whole life of only doing what I felt like everybody else thought I, was should do, that I, thought I should do. And I had spent my whole life making decisions based off of everyone else, that I'd never taken the time to figure out what I wanted. I'd never taken the time to figure out what I enjoyed. I'd never taken the time to figure out who I was because I had spent my entire life just being what I thought everyone else wanted me to be. And so I left and I decided, hey, I'm going to start to figure out who I am and I'm going to start to figure out what I enjoy. And I decided that the best place for me to figure out what I enjoyed was to begin by figuring out who I was. And I decided that the best way that I could figure out by who I was was going to the one who knew me better than anyone else. And then I thought, hey, who knows me better than anyone else? Probably the one who created me. And so I decided I'm going to go to my creator and I'm going to figure out what my creator says about me. And so that's what I did. And I started figuring out and looking up and discovering, hey, what does Christ say about me and who does he say that I am? And as I began to discover what Christ said about me, I began to realize that the approval that I had been seeking my whole life the approval that I so desperately wanted, that I already had, that I had access to it, that he had already declared, hey, you are enough. You are enough, and I love you, and I gave myself for you. And I began to remind myself every single day of what Christ said was true about me. And I began to find my approval alone in what Christ said was true about me. And what it began to do is it began this thing in me where I began to feel like I could actually take risks. I no longer was afraid of failing. 
And ultimately, I feel like my life began to start because it was no longer everyone else that was keeping me in bondage. It was no longer everyone else that was determining what I was going to do. But I had already found my approval, and I had found approval forever. And Christ had already said, hey, I love you, and I care about you. And in me, you have freedom to go and live. And it has drastically changed my life. And the only reason that I can stand here in front of you is because I have found my approval in what Christ says is true. Because three years ago, there would have been too many people in this room that could have rejected me. There would have been too many people in this room that could say that I'm not worthy. There would be too many people in this room that would say that I'm not good enough. But it is because of Christ and Christ alone that I am able to have confidence and hope that he is who he says he is and that I am who he says that I am. And so tonight... As we close, I just want to tell you who Christ says that you are. And so I want you to put everything in a way, and I want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to just listen. And for some of you, these may be things that you have heard your entire life, and if they are, I want you to hear them like it's the first time that you've ever heard them. And maybe for some of you, this is brand new, and you have never heard these things about you. And and tonight, I want you to hear, and I want you to know that these are things that are true of you. And that this is where your approval is and what you're looking for in everyone else that Christ has already declared that you have it. And so this is what is true of you. You belong to God. You are chosen by God. You are a new creation in him. You are forgiven by him. You are included by him. You are secure in him. You are complete in Jesus. You are not alone. You are dearly loved, exactly as you are and not as you should be. You are set free. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. You have been redeemed, and the sin against you and in you has been canceled. You have been made complete in Jesus. And you are a child of God. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you have declared that we are loved and that we are loved to the point that we are worth dying for. God, we thank you that you have already stamped us approved forever and that we don't have to do anything to earn it and that we can't ever get rid of it. God, that you have already declared that you love us, that you care for us, and that we are approved in you. So Jesus, I pray that we would just begin to sit in that tonight. And God, I pray that we would leave here and we would begin to speak over ourselves and remind ourselves the truth of who you say you are and who, we, who you say that we are. And God, I pray that we would find our approval in you and in you alone. Jesus, it is in your name we pray. Amen.